kind of guy that would drink a gallon of gasoline so he could piss in your campfire. You could drop this guy off at the Arctic Circle wearing a pair of bikini underwear without his toothbrush, and tomorrow afternoon he's going to show up at your poolside with a million-dollar smile and a fistful of pesos. This guy's a professional. You got me? Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rookie Rundown, guys. As always, I'm your host, Dallas Hyder. You can find me on Twitter at Salad Galore. That's S-A-L-L-A-D-G-A-L-O-R-E. My name backwards, Galore. Um, tonight, we unfortunately will not have our guest that was planned. Uh, we had some late, uh, obviously it's Father's Day, sorry, it's Sunday, um, fatherly shenanigans that uh, kept our host from joining me. But don't worry, he will be here for a Zoom recording. And I'm not going to tell you guys who it is because it's going to be a surprise. But we are going to be talking some rookies, as always, and it's going to be even more number-heavy than we typically are. So some of you will be pumped about that. Other of you will be like, oh, no, oh, God, no, please, Dallas, don't do this. Um, but unfortunately, that's what we're going to do. So tonight, we've talked wide receivers in the past. We've talked some of the higher-ranked guys in the past, both at the running back position as well as the wide receiver position. But tonight, we are going to be talking about Two guys drafted in the back half of the NFL draft that have opportunity to be their team's go-to slot receiver in 2021. And tonight, it's actually going to be a pretty fun episode because we're going to be talking about two guys that are near and dear to my heart based off the teams that they got drafted by. We're talking about Daz Newsom out of the University of North Carolina going to the Chicago Bears. And we're talking about Cornell Powell out of Clemson, going to the Kansas City Chiefs. So as you guys know, I'm a KC native here, but I'm a diehard Bears fan. I've watched both of these teams religiously, and I'm excited to talk about the potential production that they can have for their respective teams. So as always, we're going to go into the body metrics, and then we're going to go into the stat metrics associated with their college production for each player at their universities. So we'll start with the Chicago boy, Daz Newsom. He comes in at 5'11", 190 pounds. He is age 22, and he was selected 221st overall in the sixth round by the Chicago Bears. So just from a body metric standpoint, he's your prototypical slot wide receiver. He's the not short, not tall, average heighted, stocky at 190 wide receiver who is extremely good at yak and not very good at dominant play in contested catch balls or really anything that's a burner aspect to his game. When you look at Cornell Powell from Clemson, he comes in at six foot flat and 204 pounds. He's a year and a half older, if you include the months, than our boy Daz Newsom. And he was actually selected 40 picks prior to Daz Newsom at 181st overall in the fifth round. So when you look at these two wide receivers, Body frames are a little bit different. Um, Cornell Powell is pretty thick. If you look at him, I don't know what they're doing with those boys out in Clemson, but Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell are hitting the weight room, and that is evident in their upper and lower bodies when you see them play. Um, they're very physical wide receivers, but they're not really those high-point catching guys. They're both kind of slot receivers that are going to see that intermediate work at the next level. So that's why we're comparing him to a guy like Daz Newsom. So from a body metric standpoint, we're going to go ahead and give the nod to Cornell Powell. He's taller. He's thicker. Um, they both actually ran in the high 4.4s and low 4.5s at their respective pro days. So their speed should be pretty average. And although Cornell Powell doesn't have any special teams reps underneath his belt with Clemson, 
with a guy like Daz Newsome, you actually are getting pretty high upside punt returning when it comes to his production with the Chicago Bears. So although Tariq Cohen is our typical punt returner prior to injury, I think coming off of the ACL that he suffered at the beginning of last year, they're going to be looking for that new noise basically at the punt return position so that they don't wear down Tariq Cohen because he is vital in the passing game for the Chicago Bears underneath Matt Nagy. So you're looking at Daz Newsom immediately having a roster spot, which although Cornell Powell could based off of draft capital compared to some of the other guys that are on the team, i.e. Demarcus Robinson and a guy like, um, sorry, Byron Pringle, I'm <laughs> blank there for a second. Um, he's not guaranteed to actually make the roster. There's a lot of competition at the chiefs at wide receiver. So it's kind of anyone's guess as to who will make that roster. So when it comes to the overall appeal from draft capital roster making and body type, I'm going to go ahead and give the body type, as I said, appeal to Cornell Powell, but the actual situation landing spot draft capital, even though it was slightly later to a guy like Daz Newsom. So when you delve a little bit into the college production, This is where the gap for one of the guys becomes even larger. So looking at Daz Newsom first, he saw a 22.6% target share. So that's in the 83rd percentile for college wide receivers as compared to Cornell Powell, 16.1. So the difference between those two, if you're curious, is the average tight end in the NFL's total targets. So you're looking actually at a target percentage difference of about 50 targets if you were to extrapolate the college production to a full NFL season between the two players. Over his career, Daz Newsom saw 188 receptions for 2,435 yards at 13 yards per reception a pop. So that's pretty average and pretty standard for most of your slot receivers and actually pretty much above average for most of the middling wide receivers and pretty much every tight end outside of Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller in the NFL. When you look at the college production for receptions in the Cornell Powell corner, you will see that he only saw half as many receptions over his five-year career as opposed to the four-year career of Daz Newsom. So he only saw 93 total receptions for 1,211 yards. That also extrapolated out to 13 yards per reception, which is the exact same as Daz Newsom. But the receiving touchdowns, he saw almost half as well in the receiving yardage, the total receptions, and the receiving touchdowns at 10 compared to the UNC product. So when you look a little bit deeper into the rushing stats as well, the only one of the two with any type of rushing production, once again, is Daz Newsom out of North Carolina. So over those four years at North Carolina, he saw 20 rushes for 178 yards, right at that nine yards per clip, and two rushing touchdowns. So I know that doesn't sound like a lot, and it honestly isn't, but it's just another side of his game showcasing his versatility as an actual slot receiver. His biggest aspect when you're watching his film with Daz Newsom is his yards after catch ability. He is a punt returner by nature. He is shifty. You put him in a phone booth and he will get away from you. And that's something that you can't say with a guy like Cornell Powell. Although he's beefed up and does play the same position, he doesn't play it in the same way. He's more of a contested catch guy than a guy like Daz Newsom. And his yards after catch and run after catch ability are not what you see from the UNC product. So when it comes to overall college production, 
skill set and outlook for the general position of slot receiver in the NFL, I'm going to go ahead and side with the UNC product in Daz Newsom as opposed to Cornell Powell. The late breakout of Cornell Powell in the fifth year as opposed to the senior year and even junior year that we saw with Daz Newsom is what really concerns me. But there is that back-of-the-mind nugget that you have to pop in is the fact that when Trevor Lawrence was doing his pro day, he only chose to throw to one wide receiver. Out of all the people on his team, all the potential targets that he could throw to, he selected to throw every single ball he threw at his pro day to Cornell Powell. So whether or not that was being a good teammate and trying to get him more reps for the people that were out there, or just being, hey, I want the guy that I'm sure Fire is going to be where I want him to be and consistently catch the ball when it hits his hands, so I want Cornell, we'll never know. But it's something to definitely take note of when you're looking at the extracurriculars and intangibles of the actual wide receivers we're looking at. So another thing I like to look at with each of them when it comes to the college production side is actually the best three-run stretch. So for me, when I'm looking at a prospect, I want to see how they're doing in the heart of the season, after the early season jitters, before the wear and tear takes them in and without the extreme pressure and the kind of the weird fluctuation that we get with bowl games in the college playoffs. So for each of them, their best stretch actually for each came between the weeks of week six and week nine. And they both had very similar production during those weeks. So Daz Newsom saw 22 receptions for 310 yards and three touchdowns, which averages out to right around seven receptions a game, 103 yards and a touchdown. Every single week. And if you look at his stat lines over those three games, you'll see he consistently did that each and every week. There was no real outlier game that accounted for those stats. When you're looking at Cornell Powell, he also saw 23 receptions, but for 442 yards and only two touchdowns. So the yards per uh, yards per reception in that three-game stretch was quite a bit higher. It's closer to that 140 mark as opposed to the 100 mark that we saw for a guy like Daz Newsom. But a lot of that can be attributed specifically to the Notre Dame game for Cornell Powell. So if you're looking at two specific games, one for each that I would point out for the pros and cons for each player, I would look again at that Notre Dame game for Cornell Powell. And then I would look at actually the Boston College game for Daz Newsom. So both of them showcased what they're good at. For Daz Newsom, you saw the quick twitch in between the tackles and yards after catch on those short, shallow passes. And for Cornell Powell, you saw complete dominance over the middle of the field to where anything that was even remotely contested catch, he reeled in and he out-physicaled and bullied a lot of the quarterbacks that were associated with the actual Notre Dame defense, which is saying something because although that they lost that Notre Dame game, Cornell Powell was the target, the go-to target, just like I said, with that pro day for a guy like Trevor Lawrence, which is pretty cool. So when you go ahead and look at their last stat that is associated with the college production, both of these players actually saw quite a bit of usage, uh, sorry, not a lot of usage over their wide games played. So in four years, Daz Newsom saw 43 career games that he played. For Cornell Powell, he saw 39. And yet both of the wide receivers saw under 200 total career receptions and under 2,500 receiving yards in those games. So it's not something that you're really looking for with a lot of sticking around. Again, these both players, both of these players both had a late breakout age, which is slightly concerning for any of you analytics folks out there. But it's something that just to keep an eye on, um, 
their consistency and how quickly they move through mini camps and training camps over the next couple of weeks and basically the next two months leading up to the actual preseason is going to be huge for them. Um, for those of you that have been paying attention, Daz Newsom actually broke his collarbone about a month ago, uh, about three weeks ago. So he's currently not practicing, but should be back for training camp. And there actually hasn't been any buzz or any talk at all on any platform, even Chiefs Kingdom, when it comes to a guy like Cornell Powell. He's been pretty quiet. There hasn't been any highlight videos out there about him. There hasn't been any positive reports. He's just got his head down and he's doing work. Um, The players that have been interviewed specifically about the rookies that are standing out to them, almost none of them have mentioned Cornell Powell, which is a little bit concerning. And my hopes is that he can actually stick on and fill a role for the team. Um, But the one concern with him, again, is that there's not a lot of special teams usage when it comes to a guy like Cornell Powell. So it's going to be predicated on his ability to show out as a pass catcher as opposed to his overall versatility for the Kansas City Chiefs. So um, once again, when you break down the categories, I'm going to go ahead and give the college production as well as the metrics breakdown for said college production to Daz Newsom, but the overall body metrics, um, age, and I guess we'll go with college pedigree kind of to Cornell Powell. So it's one-on-one apiece going into the actual offensive scheme and situation that each of these players are going into. So looking at the two se- two teams separately, you have Matt Nagy as the offensive coordinator and head coach of the Chicago Bears, and you have Eric Bieniemy as the o- uh, offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. So the thing about the sample size that makes it super easy is that Matt Nagy actually came from the Chiefs three years ago, for those of you that do not know. And at that exact moment, Eric Bieniemy took over the offensive reins in Kansas City, and Matt Nagy held on to the reins of the Chicago Bears. So they each have a three-year sample size with their respective teams coming in at the exact same level. The only difference was their quarterbacks, both drafted in the same draft, and then the offensive weapons and pedigree of their actual head coaching tree of the people surrounding them. So when you look at the offensive rank and the pass offensive rank for the Chicago Bears, they were actually both at the 20th rank. So a little bit behind average, which is not something you want to see when you're looking at extrapolating potential for a wide receiver or even a running back in an offense going into the next year. And it gets even more bleak when you look at the actual offensive rank and pass ranks of the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Chiefs' total offense rank average over the last three years has been third in the NFL, and their pass offense has actually been fourth. That was a little bit surprising. I expected it to be top two, but then you start to think a little bit about those super heavy pass volumes. Even the Chargers last year outranked the Chiefs in total passing offense. But those two stats specifically are very bleak between the two. Uh, Matt Nagy can't seem to get his passing offense off the ground, and that's coming from both a film grade and from an first grade. Um, the Chiefs obviously have Patrick Mahomes, who is, um, you know, the messiah to some, but there's a lot of flack that gets thrown to a guy like Mitchell Trubisky. And a lot of the numbers that I'm going to go over kind of point to the fact that it may be more of a Matt Nagy issue than a Mitchell Trubisky issue in the end. And that comes specifically when you look at things such as on-target percentage, total pass volume, as well as the overall fantasy finishes of their receiving options. So when you look at the total pass volume for each two teams, the Kansas City Chiefs were sitting at 596 average passes per season over the last three years. The Chicago Bears sat only 28 lower 
at 568 passes per year. But if you look specifically at the 2020 stats, even though Chicago had a split passing game between Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles in 2020, they actually sat at the number six overall pass offense in the NFL. Number two was the Kansas City Chiefs, meaning that both were in the top six and that their stats actually weren't that different when it came to the total pass volume, the expected air yards, things such as that. That actually comes back again with the actual quarterbacks when you look at their on-target percentage. So Mitchell Trubisky, specifically compared to Patrick Mahomes of the last three years, I excluded Nick Foles' stats specifically for 2020 because it was pretty bad, um, and he's not really relative because it was only about five games over the entire season. Um, but when you average those two over the three years, uh, Patrick Mahomes came in at a 79% on target throw percentage. So that is a top five statistic, um, but under 2% difference was Mitchell Trubisky at 77.3%. Um, so although it's only a 2% difference, that actually ranked 21 spots lower than Patrick Mahomes. So there's quite a few quarterbacks, obviously, that are in between that 77 and 79% on-target accuracy, and it causes quite a bleak difference when you're actually looking at that stat specifically. But I just wanted to point out the fact that as long as the pass volume is pretty consistent over that 580 to 560, that percentage difference only works out to be about 30 passes more on versus off target. So right around one to two per game is what you're looking at as an off target throw as opposed to an on target throw. Um, Although that can be more or less specific, um, specifically important to your team based off of whether or not those come on third down, fourth down, red zone opportunities, backed up in your own end zone opportunities. Um, It just is something you have to look at when it looks at the stats. Um, Trubisky actually was not that bad when it came to on target percentage and total pass volume when it came to throwing the ball. So when you're looking at opportunity for each player, the first thing that comes up is actually competition at their position. So I believe that both of these players are actually looking at a potential to be the number three realistic wide receiver option in their offense. So those competitions, obviously, at each position. At the Chicago Bears, you have Allen Robinson, the unquestioned number one, and then up-and-comer, second-year wide receiver Darnell Mooney. Those are your one-two punch at wide receiver. After that, it's kind of all up in the air. You're sitting with the old slot receiver. I say old, but he's not that old. Just the older slot receiver in Anthony Miller, who has a lot of off-the-field issues. Um, There's been a lot of trade speculation with him, as well as a lot of just kind of weird situations that have gone on, both in the playoffs. Um, For some reason, no one cannot get into a fight with that Saints DB. Um, It happened to both Javon Wims, who is also competing for that third and fourth wide receiver spot, as well as Anthony Miller. Uh, It's Chauncey Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Sorry, I forgot about his name. Uh, And then you also have the incumbent speedster that's going to be fighting for the package-type roles in Marquise Goodwin. So he actually sat out all of last year, um, due to COVID, but he's coming in and actually has had quite a bit of rapport according to camp reports with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. So I see these three as basically in-step locks as your two, three, four, five between Mooney, Miller, Wims, Godwin, and uh, sorry, Daz Newsom as it's five players fighting for four spots. Um, I think they're only going to carry 
five wide receivers based off of their typical um, carryovers when it comes to cuts that we've seen underneath Matt Nagy. He likes to carry more tight ends than wide receivers. And that means that his composition basically comes in the form of, can he beat out the older speedster in Godwin? Can he beat out the guy who's lost the coaching trust basically in Anthony Miller? Or can he beat out the guy who really hasn't proven anything on offense in Wims, Javon Wims, but has actually become a very vital part of their special teams gunner role, as well as punt coverages. So for Daz Newsom, I think this answer would have been yes, 100% if he had not gotten injured. But with the broken collarbone, there's actually a lot of questions as to how much playing time he's going to get and how much he's going to beat out all these positive reports we're getting about the other guys in camp. So his situation's kind of up in the air, but when it comes to the overall pass volume of the offense and the actual percentage of on target of the quarterbacks, you can assume that Andy Dalton will actually be higher than what we saw with Mitchell Trubisky because that's where he's finished the last two years as a starter, higher than that 77.3 percentage. And you can also assume that when Justin Fields comes in, even as a rookie, he's been known as a very on-target and precise passer. So you're seeing these numbers and these volume stats, if they say stagnant and the same, you should see roughly the same type of production that you're seeing from the Chiefs. When it comes to the Chiefs' open opportunities, you are seeing a competition between Cornell Powell and also three wide receivers. So Michael Hardman hasn't really proven himself as a deep threat with the Kansas City Chiefs yet. Uh, He's had very inconsistent hands. He has issues with running routes in the correct position. And a couple of his misrun routes have actually led to a couple of Patrick's interceptions over the last couple of years. He never seems to basically be able to make the big plays when we go to him. And the plays that he does make are typically in garbage time. So most of the big 80-yard touchdown receptions are on broken coverages or late in games. when the game's pretty much already decided, and he just kind of runs off to the races. But looking at a guy like Demarcus Robinson, he's always been consistent, but he's never been a game breaker. And then looking at Byron Pringle, he kind of fills the exact same role as Robinson. Um, Both are actually very very good at the exact same over the middle of the field and the intermediate boundary type stuff, those quick outs in the slant specifically, but only Pringle has any type of special teams usage on his team. Uh, Demarcus Robinson hasn't played any form of special teams actually in three years. So this is his second year on the chiefs. And that may become an issue when it comes to holding on to wide receivers deep on the roster and, eventually to replace that Sammy Watkins production. So when it comes to both teams and their opportunity, they're actually very similar. And that vein comes into the capacity of even if they actually were to win their wide receiver, even two positions on their team, neither one of them is actually going to be that wide receiver two option on their offense. So as you all know, the Kansas City Chiefs run through Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So those two, have out-targeted the third option on the team by an average of 72 targets the last three years. That's insane, guys. When you're looking at those two specifically, uh, i.e. the Hardman, the Sammy Watkins, uh, although they are the guys that, when you're looking at the wide receiver depth chart, Reed as the number two, um, they, at times, with the running backs, have become the fourth option in the passing game for the Chiefs. 
it's not as open and spread out as you like to think it is. And I feel like a lot of people think that everyone in the Kansas City offense is something that's going to be good for your fantasy teams. When in reality, outside of that 50 touchdown season that Patrick Mahomes had in his first full year as a starter, that hasn't been the case. A lot of the production guys goes specifically funneled to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Everything else is middling and extremely hard to predict, and it's not a game you typically want to play. Now, although I'd like to say that it is a similar thing when it comes to Chicago, that's not actually the case. So when it comes to Chicago, there hasn't been a lot of tight end production when it comes to yardage and targets. Um, Jimmy Graham actually saw double-digit touchdowns last year, which was something that was a little bit weird. Um, He actually led the league in touchdowns through the first eight weeks of the season last year before his injuries. But then Cole Komet started taking over for some reason, Jimmy Graham still has not been cut off of the Chicago bears. And I believe they plan on rolling with him and Komet again for a second season, but the true target hog that has been an issue for the wide receivers in the bane of their existence over the last three years since Nagy took over has actually been Tariq Cohen. So over that three year span, Tariq Cohen has averaged 96 targets per year when healthy. So prior to his injury last year, he was averaging 96 targets per year from the running back position. That's as an RB2 on his team, guys. So if you remember three years ago, during his first year with the Bears, Tariq Cohen was actually a top 12 running back underneath Nagy's offense in PPR scoring. His pass production is insane. And a lot of times he's treated as a slot wide receiver. If there's going to be one guy that's going to infringe on any possible production for either Cornell Powell or Daz Newsom and their respective offenses, I think the one that's really going to eat away at it is Tariq Cohen coming back from injury rather than the wide receiver production. I think that both can very easily beat out the fourth, if not the third wide receiver when it comes to a wide receiver depth chart on their team. But when it comes to surpassing their roadblocks in front of them, I'm not positive that either is going to be able to do that. Um, I'm actually very interested to see how the Chicago offense rolls out going into 2021 based off of David Montgomery's usage, specifically in the past game this last season. As you all know, in PPR scoring, he finished as the number four overall running back. And that's something that I feel like the coaching staff might want to actually dive into a little bit more and lean into that production because our offense, as well as those stats sound from a fantasy aspect for Drew Cohen, has not been as fluid when he's in the game compared to running with one back. It gets a little bit too cute sometimes. And there was a lot of times before Anthony Miller's questions came up this last year that we were asking ourselves, why is Tariq Cohen the slot receiver instead of Anthony Miller right now? Now, that's not something that you would like to see, and it's not something that we're hoping for when it comes to either one of these. Um, but when it comes to the actual situation and how bleak it looks, I think it's pretty similar, both being infringed on by guys outside of their actual position, making them at best the third receiving target on their teams. So when you're looking at the third receiving target averages and fantasy production from the respective two teams, you'll see a pretty pretty similar fashion again. Um, the third receiver option on the Bears over the last three years has averaged a 59th overall fantasy finish. 
at the respective position. The Chiefs has averaged a 63rd overall fantasy position. So again, those are guys with occasional breakout games, giving them slightly lofted floor, uh, slightly lofted ceilings, but a complete lack of consistency, leaving them outside of even the wide receiver four and five options for their teams. When it comes to the actual fantasy finishes on the year, as opposed to target averages, you're looking at the 72nd and 60th overall when it comes to the Bears and Chiefs, respectively. So from an opportunity standpoint, not looking at what's left in vacated target aspects, which we'll get to in a second, I have to lean, honestly, the Chiefs in this. Um, You just kind of have to lean with the better quarterback right now. Um, We don't know what we're getting with Andy Dalton, specifically in this Bill Lazor offense. It was the coaching and quarterback pairing that we saw when Andy Dalton had the best year of his career in 2015. But again, that was six years ago. Also, with Justin Fields coming in, there is optimism, but there's not actually a lot going on in that team that can give you firm affirmations of a certain standpoint in scheme or in passing volume or in target receptions. There's a lot of, there was a lot of camp praise going Daz Newsom's way, both in his versatility as well as his actual run after catches. I understand it's not tackle um, football right now is a lot of two hand touch type of stuff in training camp, but there's a lot of noise coming out before he actually got injured. Um, again, not hearing anything out of the chiefs camp with a guy like Cornell Powell is a little bit concerning to me and not having his players speak him, speak of him highly, basically in all of their pressers and media day appearances is also a little bit concerning of me. Um, the two players that have gotten the most praise when it's come out of OTAs specifically has been Justin Fields and Daz Newsom for the Bears. And when it comes to the Chiefs, you've actually just seen a lot of talk about Nick Bolton and then Orlando Brown, who is technically their first round pick. Um, so when you're looking at the situation, I have to go Chiefs based off of the quarterback position. Um, but when it comes to the overall optimism, um, I'm not very optimistic of either one of these. That kind of comes up again when you look at the vacated target averages for each team. Um, So you're looking at the Chiefs. They actually have 87 vacated targets based off of players that have left the game from the 2020 season. That that accounts for 14% of their total targets, not a large volume when you're looking at a wide receiver potential production. If you thought that was bad, it gets worse, folks. Because when you look at the Bears... They're sitting at 48 vacated targets. They've lost almost no receiving options based off of last year, have added almost no receiving options. The only thing they've actually added in this offense from a receiving option, specifically that could see work, is Daz Newsom himself. And that total of 48 vacated targets only accounts for 8% of their total volume. So again, when it comes to the actual offensive opportunity i'm going to go ahead and lean cornell powell but i don't feel good really about either one of these players when it comes to the opportunity in the offense just a little nugget for you that i was looking at when i was looking at vacated targets that's pretty wild to me so we've gone over 87 and 48 as the vacated targets for these two teams respectively the number one team with vacated targets was detroit with 360 vacated targets That's over half of their team's receiving target totals from last year no longer being on their team. Um, That's wild stats, and I'm very interested to see how that team works out in NFC North. Um, I think Jared Goff has a lot of work to do. 
basically on that team, but it was just something that I thought was pretty interesting looking at those stats and vacated targets. Um, but yeah, so breakdown guys, when you're looking at these two players, I know I didn't sound as positive as I probably needed to, but when you're looking at the actual college production from Daz Newsom, that actually outweighs a lot of the opportunity that you're seeing with a guy like Cornell Powell when you're comparing the two players together. Cornell Powell being a late breakout as he was is very concerning for me when you just think about it conceptually. And when it comes to Daz Newsom, when you actually watch their film side by side, there's a lot of explosion and after the catch stuff that just does not appear on Powell's tape when you're comparing to Newsom. I think there's something funky going on with Anthony Miller, and I think he very well could be cut from the team. And I'm not expecting anything from any of the wide receivers outside of Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson in Chicago. So that means that there is a lot of pass volume out of those 600 plus targets that we saw from last year that is going to get spread around. Now, although Cole Komet should see an uptick in those and Tariq Cohen should see some of the work that both Jimmy Graham got last year, as well as what we saw specifically from David Montgomery. I think there's quite a few targets, even though they haven't left the team, that could go around to a guy like Daz Newsom. Again, I think the camp is going to go quite a bit into this when it comes to training camp and specifically the preseason games. But when I'm looking at these two players and their upside, Cornell Powell is going, on average, 10 spots in ADP, above a guy like Daz Newsom, who's going undrafted in nearly every single rookie draft this year. If I'm in the fourth round, I'm taking a flyer on a guy like Daz Newsom with the exciting quarterback in a potentially new system or potentially even whole new offensive and coaching system next year that we're not going to see with a guy like Cornell Powell. Andy Reid's system is notoriously difficult to pick up when it comes to Kansas City. Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers, a veteran even like Sammy Watkins saw almost no production his rookie year coming into the Chiefs. And even when he actually prospered later on down the road, it wasn't until his second season, specifically the postseason of that second season, that he saw almost any work. So again, if I'm taking a flyer on either one of these guys as a late round wide receiver in the fourth round, rather than a potential running back that most likely won't fit the roster, I'm going to go with a guy like Daz Newsom, who has the actual opportunity in year one to see production. When it comes to total overall upside, total overall production, and total overall, I would say, long-term value, I'm going with a guy like Daz Newsom as opposed to just kind of another lottery pick sitting there as, at best, the fourth receiving option on the team in Kansas City behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. So again... Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Um, Again, I'm sorry about the guest. It was a little bit of a shock to me, but guess what? We're coming in hot next week with it. Um, Again, leave reviews, comments, anything you guys talk to me about on Patreon or on Twitter, at Salad Galore. I really appreciate it because it helps me fine tune this for you guys every week and give you guys what you want. If you have specific players you want me to bring up in the future Oklahoma drills, please, again, hit me up on any platform. I'd be happy to talk about any of the guys you want me to go into the stats and go over my overall takes about what their offensive outlook is for the 2021 season and overall. Again, my name is Dallas. You can find me at Salad Galore. And as always, it's a pleasure, guys. I'm here to make your rosters better, and I'm here to make fantasy fun. I'll see you guys next week, okay?